Right. Well, I hope the video was helpful there. Uh, some of you may have seen my face around, you've maybe heard about us, but you have no clue who we are. So I hope the video helps you just to get a little bit of knowledge, maybe even just to help you to pray for us, as you've seen how the Lord has saved us and led us to this point. So well, what we want to do now, as we've said, we want to just give you some further prayer requests, maybe reiterate some of the things that we said there, things that we really want to draw to your attention for you to pray for us. Um, one of the first things is we've said much about the community there on the video and just take that upon your heart to pray for the community uh, that we go to reach. And Sometimes people would ask the question, well, what's that community really like that you're going to? Well, if you go online, you can see some of the statistics on there. You can see it for yourself if you search it. It's about 84 or 85% the reckon is Christian. Now, we understand here, of course, that... Christianity is a broad, broad term. Um, under that Christianity, of course, you have Roman Catholicism, you have the charismatic movement, the health, wealth and prosperity gospel. Uh, that's a, a big thing in Uganda as well, the health, wealth and the prosperity gospel. Then you have their own traditional beliefs and they would just mix things all together. So there's a great need within the community. And then also you have uh, Islam has a presence there as well. They said about 12% of the community is is Islamic. So if you look at the pictures on there in the video, you'll see um, that's really the, vi the villages surrounding Emmanuel Christian Academy. And even what we've just said about the community uh, tells true even uh, in just the local area. Within just about a four mile radius, you'll find there's a mosque, there's, there's a Roman Catholic church, there's places they're caught up in their tradition, and there's other villages that just have little to no religion whatsoever. So with that all being said, of course, I hope you see the need within the community and therefore the need for missionaries to go and reach out. It's our responsibility to reach these people with the gospel. So pray for us as we do that. We've mentioned there our intention, God willing, down the line will be to plant a church. So we're looking to get out to the community to really research, to get out into that area and think, well, where is the best place to plant a church or churches? So you all know that's a, a long-term commitment. So pray the Lord will help us even give us direction concerning that. And one of the things that I'll reiterate again was mentioned in the video was the language. Pray the Lord will help us to get this language. Um, if you've heard of the, the mission board they've come up with, the, the church planning strategy, and that's one of the main things they put across in the first, first three years, our first term, get the language, get the culture. So pray for us as we get out there. Maybe you're thinking, you've seen us on there in the video, and you'll see us using interpreters. And whenever we talk about the language, now some people might ask the question, why not just skip learning the language and just use the interpreters there? And they are good interpreters. Um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the interpreters. But in the long term, if the church plan is going to be successful, um, we honestly believe we need to speak the, the language of the people. Um, we want to get into those deep conversations. And of course... The deepest conversation you can get to is the heart of man and the gospel. So we need the language to be able to do that. I always give the example, if you can imagine someone coming into your community here from, maybe, say it's from Uganda, and they land on your door, and it's not too long into the conversation, if there is any conversation, uh, you realise they don't actually know your language. Uh, they know how to say hello and the, the general greetings, but... They've been here for about two years and they still haven't learned your language and they're doing things that are inappropriate culturally. You can imagine you're not going to be the most receptive of that individual. I think if you're honest to yourself, that's true. They haven't taken the time. 
taken the time to learn your language, they haven't get, taken the time to actually get to know you and your people. And so we would expect someone to come here and do that for us, but we expect no less than from ourselves, from our missionaries, and we shouldn't expect any less than we go, we learn the language and the culture. So pray concerning that. Those are really the two um, the top prayer requests. That's why we mentioned it first, that we get out into that community. God helps us to do that, and then he helps us, gives us the grace, the energy, and all required to learn that language and learn it quickly. Then thinking of our family there, you'll see um, from that video, um, there's nothing really special about the Macaulays, right? We're just the normal run-of-the-mill family. So people often ask, well, how can we pray for you as a family? And to that I always say, well, when you look at us, just think of yourselves. Um, maybe some of you here have young children or your grandparents that have uh, children that are grown up who have their own children. You imagine your family heading off to a different country, a different language, different culture. What would be the questions going through your mind? What would be your anxieties, your fears, and so on? Well, no doubt, if you can think of those things, we've already thought of those things ourselves, and they're still very real to us. Of course, we go on that confidence that Rachel mentioned there on the video. We are called to this, and thank God for that. We go on his will, and so we can go with that confidence, but at the same time, those questions, those anxieties can come to the fore as well. So pray, if you can think of yourselves how you would feel, pray for us concerning those things as well, that we would always take it to the Lord in the confidence that we're going in His will. And that's the best thing for us as a couple, as a married couple, and also it goes right down to our children, and any concerns we have, we can really take it to Him. So pray for us concerning our family. Of course, there's this time where it's really a time of preparation for us. Uh, pray that, as normally prayed, you know, that the crooked ways would be in straight, and everything would go smoothly. Um, but time coming up to even saying goodbye to our own family and so on. Pray for us, Lord will help us in doing that. But also just the preparation time, all the practical things. Getting rid of, rid of all our stuff, packing that up, and getting everything to, or to Uganda. So pray the Lord will help us in that preparation time. And also while we're there, one, one of the great prayer requests is that, as we've said at the end of that video, we've given that verse, let your light so shine. Even as a family, we want to be an example to the Ugandans out there. And so this is what a Christian family unit really looks like. Um, if we don't know their language, if we can't speak to them yet in the deep way that we can, at least they can watch how we live. Uh, so pray the Lord will help us a family to even represent Christ in how we interact with each other. Then thinking of family still, some people ask the question, well, what, are, what about the children's education? Are you going to send them to that school there at Emmanuel? And to that I, I say yes, eventually we will send them to that Christian school there that's on the base, Emmanuel Christian Academy. But we're going to let our children, of course, adapt to the culture themselves, let them settle in before we do that. And while we let them settle in, Rachel's going to be homeschooling the children. Now, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of homeschooling um, or if you're a teacher, but uh, neither of us are teachers. Rachel would admit she's not a teacher. And so this will be a new thing to her especially, and so pray for her as she homeschools Eloise and Arthur, and then eventually Jude. Now on the video there you can see our children, and they, they're, they're nice and cute there on the video, but um, Greg, well, Greg knows them. They're live wires, and so I'm going to hand over that responsibility to Rachel. Just pray for her as she does that. But then eventually we'll send them to that school, and we'll be doing a little bit of both. 
homeschooling alongside send them to that school just to keep them up to date with the British curriculum so that's the answer to that question then also pray for the extended family if you think of um, the team is really what I'm getting at here pray for us as a team of course there, there are those missionaries already out there in Uganda so there's Mr. Kerskadon his wife Rhonda and their children <coughs> then you have Noreen McAfee as well so pray for them as they're already involved. I know this is a deputation for the Macaulays, but don't forget there's already people out there serving the Lord in Uganda and the many, many ministries that they're involved in. Pray for them and that the Lord will bless them in that. But pray for us as we join that team um, and especially that there would be unity within that team. Um, that's really priority as we think of going out to Uganda. We understand, of course, the reality is where, where there's people, there's problems, right? We, we know that's the case in whatever environment we're in. And so I like to remind people that just because we're, we're called to be missionaries, just because we're all called to the same place, it doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to get along 100% of the time. So that's just reality, really. But it's, it's very practical that you can pray for this. Pray for the unity, and it's very spiritual as well, that there be unity amongst our team. There, there's little, maybe little things that we might disagree on. And if you're in such a small, confined little unit, those little things can turn into big things. So that's just very personally from me. We pray that the Lord will just help us to gel together. That we're heading in the same direction, even in terms of how the work should go forward and all those things. That the Lord will just have us together, moving forward as a unit. And just like the family, we say we want to be an example to the, the people around us of what a family looks like. Of course, we're there to plant a church. And how do we show people what a church is like, we can do that through how we interact as a team. So all these things are to be examples to the Ugandas around us. So pray concerning that, please, the unity for this team. And then there's the question that is, is asked, of course, well, when are you going? Um, when are you going to leave? And the answer to that is, our plan would be the end of summer. So July uh, this year or the beginning of August, somewhere around that time. Of course, that's our plan. And we would love to do that. The mission board would have us out there as soon as possible. So pray concerning that. But of course we leave it in the Lord's hands. It's in his, it's his hands. It's his will. But there's many things have to happen. Even between now and then. Of course one of those things is all the deputation meetings. So I've said this is about the 19th time. I've watched this video. I've got about another 40 times to go. So pray for us. The Lord will give us the, the, the health and strength to get around the churches. And. And we have, I have to say we have been encouraged as we've done so, so far. People have been good, those who we have met. And we do look forward to going around. And thankful for those who would drive us as well. But do pray for safety on the roads. That's one thing. It is tiring. So pray the Lord will give us that physical help, the mental help, and of course the, the spiritual help as we do this. Of course, you probably all know, but we have to, as we go do these deputation meetings, we have to raise that 70% of our three-year keep so that's really the idea of these deputation meetings of course priority number one is prayer we cannot go to uganda without the prayer of god's people but we need to raise that support and come may you can pray towards that when it comes to may time that projection will be made and we will get the green light god willing to go and between now and then there is also the matter of the house you've probably heard of that already uh, but if we go to Uganda just now, we wouldn't actually have a house to live in. So these two things need to come together, both us getting to the field and the house being ready 
to receive us. So there, I think those are enough prayer requests to throw at you at this moment in time. But do please take, if you can take just one or two of those things and really pray for them. Uh, these are the things we really have laid, God has laid upon our hearts to remind the people of. And we would just value your prayers as you even pray for us. But before I sit down, I do want to leave with you something from God's Word. Everyone does deputation meetings differently. Um, some start with God's Word. I do like to finish with God's Word just so it's something that's fresh in your own, your own minds as you, as you leave. But I want to leave you with the encouragement from Matthew chapter 22. If you turn there, please. Of course, as the missionary, if you were to ask me what's the greatest command in Scripture for you, you might expect me to say, well, the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel as a missionary. That's one of the great commands in Scripture. And yes, while it's one of the great commands in Scripture, of course we know it's not the greatest of all commands. And so that's why we turn to Matthew chapter 22. What we want to think about tonight is really getting first things first. Yes, we want to challenge people um, concerning missions, but really what comes before missions even? Well, we want to get our priorities right, and what is the great command is what we want to think about. So if you look at verse 34 of Matthew chapter 22, it reads there, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. We end there at the verse 40. Let's just pray before we come to the word. Heavenly Father, once again, we are thankful tonight for the opportunity to be here. We're thankful for the opportunity especially to read the word. Thankful for the giving of it. Thankful that you have decided to give us your word. You've revealed yourself through it. You've revealed all that we need to know about ourselves all that we need to know about our Saviour. And Lord, we're thankful tonight even to think of the love that you have shed abroad in our hearts. Thankful for salvation. And Lord, I pray that you just thrill our hearts once again tonight as we think of that love that you have towards us. And as we think of missions, as we think of getting out there, I pray that you just let that love be shed abroad in our hearts, but not only ours alone, but let it pour out of us even into our community here in Northern Ireland, but even further afield across the world. So help your people even tonight, to be blessed, challenged, and encouraged by your word. Give your spirit, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we want to think about, as we've said, is this great command. One of the, the, the greatest command in Scripture. Now, obviously, if you think of the question that comes here, what leads Christ to give this first and greatest command is in response to a question. So, first of all, let's just think about this question. We see it there coming in verse 34. Where it says, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. So here we see the, the Pharisees are looking on, they're listening, and they see that the Sadducees could not discredit Jesus. So now they come along and they think, well, it's our turn. We'll discredit him. And so how do they do that? Well, one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest great commandment in the law? So there's the question, and it's coming. And it's posed by 
this lawyer of the Pharisees. Now, before we think of the question, just by the way, a lawyer in these days, you'll, you'll probably know, um, is not like a lawyer that we have today, one that's trained in the law of the land as a barrister or a solicitor or something. That's not what this lawyer represents. He's a, he's a lawyer in the sense that he's an expert in the law, um, particularly the law of God. He was an expert in scriptures, really. And so if you think of that, who this lawyer is, you, you imagine, well, he would have known fine well the answer to his own question. If he knew the scriptures, if he was an expert in it, he already knew the answer to his question. So it's not for his own benefit that he's asking this question. How, what does the, the verses tell us? He was there to tempt Christ. And what that really means, he was putting Christ to the test, putting him on trial, hoping that he would in some way slip up and discredit himself. But the question itself is really, it's a strange one. If you think about it, which command is the greatest? And just to put it into a little bit of context, in, in these days the Pharisees would have had about 613 commands of their own. Uh, not all biblical, they would have added some to the biblical account. So they had these 613 laws, 365 of them were in the negative sense, thou shalt not, and then there was a further something like 248 that were in the positive, thou shalt. So 613 laws in this Pharisee then comes and he asks, well, which one is the greatest? And that's a strange question. Might I say that? Well, you can't really pit the commands of God against one another. If you think of, in James, as it, he says that um, if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of them all. You can't pit commands against one another. Yet he's coming here and he's questioning Christ, well, which one's the greatest then? It's a test. And I thought of, of that, how strange a question is. I thought, it's a little bit like this. Asking someone, who's your favourite child? I don't know if you have children in here, if you have, if you've ever been asked that question, have you got a favourite? We all know as parents what the answer should be to that question. And by the way, the answer should be that you should love them all equally, just in case you're still thinking that one through. But isn't it true? I've got three children of my own. Uh, they've all got different personalities, different quirks. At some point, I might look at them and say, well, that one's my favourite. I might think that, but I shouldn't say it. Why? Because we should love them all the same. We should all favour them uh, equally. But you think of this law then, that this, and this question, so it is with the law. You think of it, and sometimes we have this habit as well. We pit the laws against one another. We think, well, that one's greater. It's better to keep that one than maybe the other. It's better maybe that we don't go against this law than the other law. And we, we categorise the law according to how serious we think them to be. And this question coming to Christ by the lawyer kind of has you thinking that way as well. Which one is the greatest out of these 613? But of course Christ, he sees right through the twisted motive of this lawyer. And he silences the lawyer immediately by the answer. What's the answer? Well, of course it comes in verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great command. So let's just for a time then think of this answer. Think of the great command, the number one command. And of course Jesus' answer, first of all, it's not to say that he's discrediting any other law written within God's word. It's not that he's doing that at all. What he's doing here is he takes all of the law and he summarizes it under this one, under which all the other commands flow from this one command. So what, what he's really doing, if you think of what Christ is doing to this lawyer, he is reminding the lawyer himself of what's already contained in God's word. And what he's doing is quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. 
Deuteronomy chapter 6 and the verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. So you'll see immediately the, the similarities there. So with all thy soul, with all thy heart, with all thy might, and with all thy mind. And then Mark, Mark adds to that again, Christ he states, and he adds their strength as well. So you think of all of those um, things we've mentioned, the heart, the soul, the strength, the mind, the might. And we could spend time going into what each one of those might represent, but just to summarise it here tonight, how can we summarise it? Really, we could just say it in one statement. We should love God with everything that we've got. Everything. Love him more than anything and everything else that we have in this life. And that's really it. Just to love God with a love that cannot be compared with anything else in this life. Now, of course, do we love other things? We can love other things. Do we love other people? Of course, we should. It's right that we should, as we'll come to see in a moment's time. But get the first things first. Get the priorities in place. We're to love God first with everything we've got. Then let the other things find their own place. But there's the command to love God with all our hearts. The question might come then, well, how? How can we actually do that? Because it's not an easy thing. If you're honest with yourself, it's not easy to love God with everything you've got. But how do we work our way towards that? If that's the goal, how can we do that? Well, can I put it to you quite simply? You can't love someone without knowing someone. You can't grow in that love for that someone if you're not building upon that relationship. So quite simply, the encouragement to you here tonight is get to know him. You can't love God unless you actually know him. So that's the first encouragement. To love God, you must know him. But once you come to the knowledge of him, you will know just how deserving he is of your love. You'll be compelled to love him. Once you actually get to know him, you will just be compelled to love him. And notice I said he is deserving of your love. Of course, it's not the other way around. We are not deserving of his, which makes the love, our love for him even the greater. We didn't deserve it, but yet he set his love upon us. And what a love we should have for our God then. And that's the point. Get to know him is really the encouragement. You can't love him without knowing why you should. But once you do, you can't do anything but love him. Even to the extent that we're thinking about here tonight with our whole being. We love him because he first loved us. Now, I've been doing a little Bible study recently with some folks. and It's a Bible study on the names of God and um, just if I was to give you an encouragement how you can get to know God, just study the names of God. I, I find it's been a great encouragement to my own heart. I hope it has to the others as well. But you can really get to know a lot about God and how he reveals himself, even through the names he gives himself in Scripture. You think of Genesis chapter 1, straight away there, in the beginning, God. That's Elohim. And about 31 times in that chapter, Elohim is mentioned. What's that revealing to us? Very powerfully, this is the all-powerful the Almighty God. This is the creator of all the universe. Elohim. He has all power. You think of El Rohai if you work your way through Genesis, the God who sees. And then you come to Abraham, he is Jehovah Jireh, not only the God who sees, but he provides for our needs. You think of uh, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is our banner. You think of Moses holding up the or Moses there at the battle, holding up the rod. And he calls the place Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is our banner. He is the one who goes before us, the one who gives the victory. Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd, Jehovah Shalom, our peace. 
And you could go through all the names of God and there are many things about God and even his relationship towards his people. But one remarkable thing about the names of God, every time I've studied one name, it always leads you to Christ. Every time it will lead you to Christ. You think of the creator God. There he created the, all of the creation and yet in disobedience that creation went against God. And he had all power and every right to annihilate that creation. But yet what does he do? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Have everlasting life. Again it gets us to Christ. He is the one who sees. He sees our need. He sees who we really are. Even when we're enemies against him. He sees that. But yet what did he do? He supplies all our needs through the riches which is in Christ Jesus. He provides you could go through each name, we have peace that passeth all understanding. Why? Because of the reconciliation, that work of Christ always brings us to Christ. But when you read throughout the Old Testament, throughout Scripture and the New Testament, you see the love of God. And you see the love that He has for you. Where will it lead you? It will lead you to a love that you have then for Him. That will be your experience. So the encouragement is get to know him. Really it'll get us to that place of David where he says, Psalm 139, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more than the number of the sand. Really that's where it'll take us, this great appreciation for God. So quite simply, here's the command, love God with all your heart, soul and mind. question is how, just get to know him. The love that you have for him, the desire that you have to serve him, will only be determined by your knowledge and experience of him. So experience and more is the encouragement. But there's something else to note here before we leave here tonight. Because if you look on the text, Christ doesn't just stop with this first command. He goes on to a second one. So he goes on to verse 39. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. So now we come to the point really where this becomes... Um, even more relevant to the uh, missionary deputation meeting. Because here we see the love of God and us loving God with our whole being. Where does it ultimately take us? It will always lead us to think outside of ourselves and to think upon others. If you notice the connecting words there at the beginning of verse 39, it says, And the second is like unto it. So this second command is like unto the first one. Of course the object is different. The object in the first is God himself, and the object of the second is others. But really you think of how we are to love others, it's the same. It's to the greatest extent possible. It's also just by the way, Christ quoting from the Old Testament, Leviticus 19 verse 18. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. I am the Lord. So here Jesus Christ is really... Showing to this Pharisee, here's where you're lying. The Pharisees prided themselves in a the knowledge of God. They knew him. They knew, they knew knowledge about him. But it wasn't a true love for God. Why? Because it never got to this point. The Pharisees never reached out in love. And here the Lord is reminding them, yes, the first commandment is love God with all your being. But the second is laid on to it. Love your neighbour as yourself. So I hope you see the progression here. The question then comes to us again, well, just how far should we love? How far should we go in our love for others? And if you think, of course it's true, you think of our neighbours, and you think of our brothers and sisters in Christ, of course we should have a particular love for those who are within that family of God. We should love our brothers and sisters, especially 
Galatians chapter 6 verse 10. It says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And you think of Christ even, he says to his disciples, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have loved one for another. So the challenge to us here, even in this prayer meeting, is do we show that love for one another, that Christ-like love towards our brother and sisters in Christ? Is there that unity amongst us? But is that as far as it should go? Is that it? Just to love our own? Of course not. It goes much further than that. You know, I love reading through Romans chapter 12, and we won't do it for sake of time, but if you look at Romans chapter 12, it's a great chapter of practical Christian living. And it'll show you just the progression of the love that we should have for others. But really just to summarise what's written in Romans chapter 12, if you're still in Matthew, if you turn to Matthew chapter 5, Paul's really just borrowing from the words of Christ in Romans chapter 12. But Matthew chapter 5 verse 43. Ye have heard it that have been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbour and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So if you love God, or if you say you love God, then, well, Christ says you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And the second greatest of those commandments is that you love others. How? Just like this. In Matthew 5, verse 44, even your enemies... Blessing them that per persecute you, who despitefully use you, pray for them. So again, the challenge comes to us, do we love, yes, we love our families, we love even the family of Christ, at least we should. But do we love those who maybe despitefully use us? That's maybe a, a, a tougher thing to answer. But yet here it is. And you know, whenever, thought, whenever I thought about this, I thought of the, the fact that the love that we have for others to the extent it's mentioned here, or the lack thereof, it's not just an indication of how we love others. It is, of course, but it goes much further than that. The love that we have for others is an indication of how much we actually love God. So these two are very closely linked. If we say we love God with all our being, that's going to be very, very obvious in how we share in that love for others. So I hope you see the progression there. We love God, or we, we look at God, we get to know Him. We recognise His love for us, but that's reciprocated in a love that we have for Him. Which then leads us to what? It leads us to make that love known to the world around us. And of course, that brings us full circle to really the point of this meeting tonight, a missionary deputation meeting. Why do we go to Uganda? Why would we? Why would you pray for the work in Uganda? Why would you be busy about the work here in your own community. It's because the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. And you can't help but let that love pour out into this community and further afield. It's really wrapped up in those words. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. We get to that great commandment. But it's through putting the first things first. It always begins with a love for God. So my encouragement for all of us here tonight. Get to know God. Get to love him. And that will only pour out in this love that you have for others and see his name known throughout all the world for his glory. So I trust there's been an encouragement for you there and also even what you've seen. We do thank God for calling us. What a privilege it is. And can I just say, I'd like to remind the people, this is really the final prayer request. We've thought much about the love of God. That's our motive in going. That should be our motive in going to Uganda.
We'll pray that that will continue to be the motive. Yes, you've seen on the video, we've been trained. Right? We've been about 10 years in this process. Right? We've been to new tribes, we've been to different fields, we've experienced the work, we've been to Whitfield College for four years. But if that's all we have, just the training, then we've failed before we've even began the work in Uganda. You know, it's like that chapter of love, 1 Corinthians 15, 13. If we don't have love, we don't have anything, we have nothing. So pray that that motivation would continue to be our motivation as we go to Uganda. And we pray the same for you as well, that the love of Christ would just continue to constrain you to work here. So do pray for us, pray that you take those things upon your heart. And of course, we thank you for any of you who have been praying for us. But we thank you in the Lord's name and pray that the Lord bless you and the part you play in this as well.